commence primary ignition. This is Star Wars. Look out! You may fire when ready. From the bright center of the galaxy, I'm Dax Comeback, and you're listening to Core World News, your holiday news show with in-depth coverage of the latest stories from around the galaxy. Now for your new segment rundown for June 18th, 2021. 99 problems, but a bad batch ain't one. Cobra's bounty board. Starlight Beacon Bulletin. But first, this news. All right, thank you very much, uh, Grex. Welcome back to another week of Core World News. Thank you so much for listening. Um, feel free to reach out to us on Discord and Instagram and Twitter. Um, and now the news. All right, and that was the news. Exciting stuff. Yes, let's uh, break right into 99 problems, but a bad batch ain't one. If you're having clone problems, I feel bad for you, son. I have 99 problems, but the bad batch ain't one. Hit me! Here, uh, here we go. Episode 8, uh, Reunion. Guys... Uh, did you, who, who do you think the reunion was about before you watched this episode? I mean, it felt inevitable that Crosshair was going to return to the fold. Yep. Um, he was in the thumbnail. I think we're all thinking that, but there was another character involved in this episode and I think we're all going to get to it, but let's just get first impressions in. Like, what did you think, Adam, what did you think about this episode? Just I, again, before? um, I, I, I'm actively looking forward to this every week, uh, which is not something I was expecting. And so once again, enjoy the story. The character developments are really good. Super funny. Again, um, like there's a proton torpedo gag in this that <laughs> yeah. made me laugh out loud. And I watched it like three times over again. So highly enjoyed it. Um, you know, I have maybe some some thoughts about um, hitting the same chord three times in a row that you know that feels a little like we'll talk a bit about that maybe we get to the, towards the Are end you of talking it about like, the dark knight rises homage that's <laughs> occurs later in this episode yeah a little bit a little bit and like we're kind of doing the same thing a lot which is like yeah it's funny i think i praised it last week a week before i'm like oh there's a surprise in every episode which is really good and we've kind of taken that from the mandalorian but i'm feeling like we're kind of getting the same surprise a lot so we'll see we'll see where we're going with it We'll talk more, but but again, really actually enjoyed it and had a lot of fun with it. Yeah. Once again, I just want to praise the uh, the animators. Yeah. Yeah. They're amazing. I actually have just the credits right here. So the art director is Andre Kirk, director of digital assets, Paul Zinnis, senior asset technical director, uh, Julian Gupner, animation director, Keith Kellogg, animation league, uh, Guido, Guido Mazzarelli. Uh, director of cinematography lighting. So like this is we talked about the lighting like the past like every week. Uh, that's Joel Aaron uh, and CG supervisor Gianni Alotti, editor Nicholas Anastasiu. Anastasiu. Incredible Anyways. talent. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That, list, that list of names. These people are incredible what they do. Um, the lighting. Yeah. We've been talking about that, I think, in the past three episodes. Like it's astonishing. Even even in the last season of the Clone Wars, I think you saw the beginning of this, which is like this attention to lighting and atmosphere that 
is now continued in this show. And um, yeah. and speaking of atmosphere, what I love about this this episode is that uh, Dave Filoni and everyone basically did you know every cool action scene you could do in an abandoned cruiser. Like they right. mm-hmm. turned the power on. They you know they op- they tur- you know, turned on the the cannons. They uh, they even an engine an ion engine even gets a uh, uh, becomes a major That's set fun. piece. Yeah, which is I mean also, that was one that was most beautiful. Yeah, that was amazing. They're also. Um, they're doing some experimental stuff with this, which I impressed. Like the they did a the first person shot yeah, inside a helmet, which, oh, which yeah. is really great. And again, I got some horror movie vibes off of that. I thought it was, might be going a different place than I was expecting it to do, but it was really neat. It's very claustrophobic. It was really it was really cool the way they did that. It, it felt like Republic before. Commando if you guys had played that game. It felt yeah like that kind of first person POV, yeah. POV shot um, of kind of soldiers in 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 battle. And uh, and what you see there is Wrecker basically guiding Hunter and just, you know, returning fire against the uh, enemy clones, which was so cool in this episode. We got a lot of clone, clone on clone action. Warfare. Uh, warfare mm-hmm. was awesome. Yeah, no, that I think that might have been my favorite part of this episode was the first person shot there from Hunter. Um, yeah, like as you're running by Wrecker shooting, like it's it's an entirely different feel. And really puts you in that moment. It's a totally new thing for them to do. Um, we always, you know, well, they, they do do it in Attack like, of the Clones, I think. To that in the the live action? No, in the, the movie, the film. In the film, I think there's one shot that's like POV. Maybe may, may or may not be. I don't know. There might not be, there, like that, there might be a shot, that but this seemed like you know, like a full sequence was kind of cool. I'm not sure. I think. And I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure the only first person shot we ever see in any Star Wars movie is 3PO and Phantom Menace for like five seconds. Oh, right. Yeah, that yeah. Really weird that's moment. Right. But I could be wrong. I could be wrong. There might be another one. But I, that's the one I always I always think of. Where I'm like, that is where's where's that one coming from? Well, we get, but, you know, everyone, anyone looking down quadnoculars or like binox or. Yeah. 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 They're yeah all those are that's first person. Yeah. But you don't get that steady cam feel. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, that, that's yeah. what this, this this that's what made this different. It was yeah, really cool. So um, that was fantastic. Yeah, I, I'm surprised we're still on this planet, but I'm really happy about it because it's such a cool environment. And I think that's the kind of thing you can do when you've got 16 episodes is you can spend some time in one place. And maybe they're kind of doing arcs here, too, mm-hmm. um, like like they did in in Clone Wars. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, Really fun. I'm trying to think, not a ton of like character development in this, right? We we've get, we get um, Omega learning how to defuse bombs from Wrecker. They have kind we, of a funny... yeah. We do get sort of like faction development though. Like the Kaminoans say that mm. you know they basically yep. infer that that Omega's their contingency plan, which we know they were trying to create like the next you know clone weapon, you know, or whatever next version. Uh, to sell to the 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 empire but who knows if that's omega or you know what they're doing who knows what their operations are but we know that this is this is part of their contingency plan in this episode which is cool that was cool to learn right yeah i mean yeah we suspected this and if yeah you know and but this it was finally confirmed this episode and you know the lingering question remains like what makes omega special right like why why do they want her so badly um yeah, I think yeah, exactly. I think alliances are getting a little clearer. Um, 
Do you want to talk crosshairs? Crosshair? I keep I keep yeah. pluralizing his name. Yes. It's actually crosshair. Yeah. How does he know they're on Bracca to start? He's he basically he says there's been a power surge on a star cruiser. It's Clip Force 99. I, I was think like, it was what? it was wow. the um the Scrap, the masked group. scrappers radioed it in. Okay. Yeah. Because that's where that's, that's where we end the le- last episode. Yeah, and he clearly knows them, right? Like there's a couple of great scenes where he's just like, You're so predictable. And I I have a prediction and I wrote down and I, was, I thought it might have happened and I thought it was going to happen this episode. But they, there was a, a brief moment where they talked about we know how to you're, you're being controlled by the chip. We can turn the chip off. Right. And we know it's yeah. going that way. I think what the reveal is going to be at some point that crosshair chip is done, that he got it removed. I think he is. I think he's a true believer. I think what we're going to find out about Crosshair is he's not actually controlled by the chip at some point that that the Kaminoans at some point took it out after what we saw in the first episode of the series. Maybe not yet, but it's unclear because I was trying to look to see if he has scar if his hair was was covering it or right. what. But I, I think that's what we're going to find out is that they're going to try to get him and they're going to pull his hair back and see that there's already a scar there that his, or- his chips already not working. They did make a thing about his being damaged as well, but like, oh, it still works. But like. I, yeah. I would also say, first of all, that's fantastic. I love that idea. Um, but maybe it's just like, like they go to take it out and they're like, it's, it was broken the whole time. Yeah. Know? Something like that. Yeah. Like they do yeah. it to him when he's unconscious and they're like, it was broken. It wasn't the chip. Yeah. Like, I like that. And he wakes up and he's still. Yeah. Following orders. And he still believes he's a true believer. Yeah. I think. Yeah. So he was always, he's always been kind of skeptical, I, but I mean, even the voice work is like snake like, like Voldemort. Right? Like this yeah. character is unlike he's meant to be unlikable in a way. I feel like he's he's just he's he's cut and dry like villain material, much like Admiral Rampart. And a lot of these characters are, I think, skewed yeah. very evil at this yeah. stage in the timeline. Like this is a this is the dark times. Yep. Yeah. This is the Empire. It's right. To give you like an alternate view of Crosshair, I was thinking I, I don't know. I had a wave of like they're going to need cross like crosshair is going to save them at some point, like later mm-hmm. on. It's like, he's going to yeah. come around and like break yep. out of it and be their savior, you know, against the empire, which is, I guess it would be pretty standard fare for um, star Wars. But I was like, Oh, they're going to get in this trouble. And like crosshair is going to be the one that bails them out. So do you think tragedy strikes first or do you think he saves one of them? Do you think he maybe causes some damage to the crew? Order. No, I think it gets like out of hand and he and he chooses the right thing. And I don't know if it was I don't know. I'm trying to remember exactly how I felt it because I, I think it was like something other than the Empire that was against them. And, you know, he needed to to come in and, and he actually saves him or they bring him around to. to yeah. Save. I, 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 I well, there is him. development with crosshair in this episode. Yes. When we're talking about character. Uh-huh. Development. <laughs> and so I think that's going to that's that's your best indicator of where the story's going. Like he just got heavily damaged seared yeah. by like the afterburn of the ion by his brothers like, by yeah. his brothers burned like, like yeah pretty badly like at the end they're like bandaging up him up at the end yeah, yeah. i mean he's got like the his vader's like mask on yeah he's got the dengar <laughs> like, headpiece and they're like yeah and his leg is all messed up it, i mean it would be cool maybe he's not, rathgar he, den yeah <laughs> be cool if he deteriorates a little bit and he's yeah. not just like spick and span next uh yeah. next episode be nice to see him with like a vocabulator and like becoming a little more machine and yeah um, i there's there's the sound in this show 
continues yeah. to amaze me. And someone in the sound department is having a field day with going <laughs> into the archives. Mm-hmm. Like there, there's yeah. a scene where we hear the the clo- well, the new storm. I'm going to call them stormtroopers from now on. I yeah. think, right? I okay. mean, I, yeah. I we're gonna, I'm going to call them. Well, no, they're clone we don't, troopers. I think that uh, it's are they unclear. Those ones? It's, un- it's super unclear, and I think they're going to leave it somewhat unclear because no, no, it's not unclear. They're definitely they use samples from Attack of the Clones, and <laughs> well, some of them do, from, but they but they're also but we know that the people that he is he is commanding are the conscripts from the previous episode, like his right hand people. Oh right? yeah, so the other like gray armor, um, yeah. People that they're, they're conscripts, but I think all the the white armor are, now, are clones. Yeah. And I think what we're going to start seeing is we're going to start seeing other voices drifting into the sound design. And I think they're going to start replacing clones very subtly. And I, and I, and, but the, the sound design of like when they're walking through the halls sounds exactly like stormtrooper helmets from the OT. It's amazing. Right. Like I just, it gave me the feels of watching the original trilogy. Oh, when, that was just, incredible. when they're walking when around the, that long sequence where they're yeah. walking through the ship yep and uh the calm chatter you know over the radio yeah. and all that kind of stuff, that atmospheric stuff it was it just awesome. like they're on the death star yeah totally uh, i feel like tech comes through in this episode i feel like this mm-hmm. is tech's mm-hmm. episode in a lot of ways um <laughs> i really did like tech fan without boys. tech they would have been goners like let's let's yeah. get rid of yeah yeah uh, he's the most valuable piece of that <laughs> puzzle i'm just gonna say it yeah integral in this episode yeah like, even yeah, even more than Echo. I mean, Echo is the technical. Echo is like drug. the let's get out of here guy. He's like, we gotta yeah. leave now. <laughs> yeah, so should have left a long and he, time. And ago. he's he's cool because he's like, that. he's a shadow of the Clone Wars, right? Like he's he's also their connection to the regs, as yeah. they call them, and 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 what it's like. And he's got that expertise, the like classic expertise, as opposed to their their radicalness. So he he does serve some interesting purposes in the story. Yeah, and I feel like you can't. From a comedy standpoint, you can't kill off Tech or Wrecker because you can't kill off your comedy duo, which is your comedian yeah. and your straight man. Like you have right. to keep that duo know. there. So they're I don't safe. Know about that. They're I think safe. Wrecker, I think tragedy might be in store for Wrecker, given how uh, close we are to the character. I think we've all built a pretty yeah. strong relationship with that character in particular because so much has gone on with that character. It's really been, he's really been central to a lot of the. I mean, I have a playing right here. And there was just the scene where he decides to throw a, tor- uh, a proton torpedo at a flame trooper and it doesn't explode. And it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Yeah, that's one of the greatest. Like, that's why you can't kill him yeah. because you can't get rid of that. The ability to write that stuff, <laughs> that high comedy. Yeah. And you can only imagine what happened. It's off screen, basically. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. can see yeah. the velocity yeah. upon which like, the <laughs> Like, the sound is just it's just like funk you like, know that that clone like rag, rag <laughs> yep that's <down> yeah. <laughs> uh, so good um yeah all right uh quick question someone uses the term scomp in yeah yeah oh nice yeah and that's yeah too much yeah, tech, of it. does tech you say it i, believe I think tech, tech says it. it maybe right and yeah. that's another jedi fallen order tech is telling people what to do a scomp isn't that the socket upon which yeah. like, stick your you know yep. the droid uh, yeah we've, we've seen it since the very first movie but i i feel like I've, i it's now become lingo and i remember watching it and i don't know if it's just because they say it so many times in jedi fallen order but i was trying right. to I was trying to figure out the origin of the word and I couldn't get on Wikipedia because they just talked about when it appeared. But now it's since it's scomped in, they just tell you like 
when when a scomp happens but i'm like i need that like when was the first time we heard someone say what's the entomology exactly thank you that's the word exact word i was looking for and the scomp link is what we see r2d2 using like exactly into the scomp socket yeah right um yeah so what a tease there because we know that like calcestis is like on that planet somewhere problem could be could be anyways and then they had the whole thing where they had the run-in with the um with the scavenger people in masks and i was like maybe maybe like you know (laughs) like a thing's gonna fall off and there'd be some red-haired kid there you know like they didn't kill anybody i was also looking for like um there's there's a lot of environments like i think i know like where they were because it's like you do that environment in uh fallen order like a, a yeah. derelict star cruiser and it's like you can i don't know there's like a lot of like really similar things it's colored the same way as the video game it's a it's a nice synergistic yeah. eye in there absolutely how cool is it when wrecker grabs that scavenger speeder like the yeah. platform <laughs> yeah yeah that was really and cool. like it it doesn't move for a second and then obviously it takes them with them you know once they you know turn up the thrusters but like he holds on to it for a second. I was like, this is <laughs> yeah. cool. I mean, it's like the Hulk in Star Wars. I'm excited for this. Yeah. It's great. He is that. Yeah. And I just love it because he's such a teddy bear in most of the most of the scenes we see him in. That yeah. it's so great. Ever so often they pull out that card of like, oh yeah, no, he's a giant monster of a man. Like, like Yeah. Yeah, it's a fun juxtaposition. It's a good good bit every yeah. time it goes through. So yes, what happened in this episode, right? We they're they're trying to get out of there, right? Oh, and they decide they need some money, right? Because they're trying to get out from under yep. the thumb of uh, what's her name? Sid. 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 Thank you. And um, and then there's a little back and forth with Echo. Who's like, we should have gone with Rex. We're soldiers. We fight, which is a really good to address that you know elephant in the room, mm-hmm. um, that Bantha in the room, I guess would be more appropriate. And then. Um, so they decide to scavenge. They've got a lot of stuff. And then by then the Empire has found them and they're trying to escape. And they almost well, they, they have their hands full with Crosshair and his team um, as it was. But then just as they might escape, they run into another reunion of sorts for the fans. Yeah. I, is, I think it's time to talk about this. Yeah. Um, and I guess, we I guess so. Right. And uh, we're Uno Slimo. Exactly. The the uh, Kaminoans decide they need to hire another bounty hunter because, uh, you know, they need this done right away. They they realize that that the Empire is now on the heels of their asset of Omega that they need um, their contingency plan. And so they get one of the best bounty hunters in the galaxy um, created by Dave Filoni, none other than Cat Bane. The yep. Duros with some augmentation and a, like, as Grant said before the episode, I got to give you credit and it's a perfect poll. It's he's the Lee Van Cleef of, <laughs> um, of Star Wars. And if no yeah. one knows Lee Van Cleef was like, he was the opposite side of the coin to Clint Eastwood, uh, yeah. for most of the spaghetti Westerns, he was always the bad guy and was in a bajillion movies and yeah. never gets yeah. Respected the a lot, respected. Of, a lot of hot hat and eye work that yes. I don't think has ever been duplicated by another actor. Um, yeah. but I'm also, I also got like Frank, like Henry Fonda from, from Once Upon a Time in the West because 
Mm-hmm. You just the way, just if you look at the framing and like you look yeah. at just like how the reaching for the holster and some of those shots, it's like it, it just felt like that character yeah. too. And it, it it's just an awesome character in that regard, where it, it's the classic what you know Western villain, and uh, and it's fun. It's fun to have that character. It was. I don't know if I needed the droid. Like the droid was, I I could I almost didn't believe the droid would be back, but it was. But yeah. I, I love that episode in the Clone Wars. Like that droid was awesome then. But it's like maybe Cad should have. I don't know. He should be maybe a lone lone gunslinger at this point. Here's my argument for the droid, which I feel weird arguing pro droid pro that droid. I I don't feel like it feels Star Wars enough if you don't have that droid there because my whole thing about Cad Bane is it just. It really doesn't feel Star Wars-y to me sometimes. Like, it's so Western-y that it kind of bumps me a little bit. So, like, when the droid would come in, I'm like, oh, that's right. It's still Star Wars, right? Yeah, like, it, like it, yeah. Yeah. Well, what he's if kind of like a protocol droid little... or something? Like, something just... Well, yeah, I mean, yes, it could be a better droid. Yeah. <laughs> okay, all right. It's like the funny little, like, yippy dog next to the big bulldog. Yeah. The, you know, he's, like, the, this funny guy that, like, he, you know, he's a weird sidekick, like a mousy little sidekick i want to uh, let's talk about cad bane right now because I'm, yeah. I'm sensing a lot yeah. of things let's do uh positives the things we really like about cad bane and then we'll do some things that we like less about cad bane we don't do this with many characters but he's an interesting maybe polarizing he's polarizing on this uh podcast we'll say anyways yeah. what, what are things you you really like about cad bane i'll go first <laughs> I like uh, the fact that he's an alien. Yes. Um, I, yeah, I, I like the fact that he, it's a, it's a new bounty hunter we hadn't seen before. Filoni created him for uh, Clone Wars. Yep. Um, so an, a, a new big bad. I like that he's a, a formidable antagonist. He's gone toe to toe with, uh, with Obi Wan Kenobi, um, with, with a lot of characters. Uh, he was supposed yeah. to go toe to toe with Boba Fett, but it never happened. Not, not yet. <laughs> um, right. There's unfinished, I think, animatics that depict uh, a I've scene yeah. very similar to what we see in this episode. Actually, we also have a series featuring Boba Fett coming up very soon. Yeah, right. Indeed, we do. Yeah. Um, I like the fact that he is he has the Western callback too. I think that that makes it fun. Yeah, I mean, I will. Yeah, so. I'll, I'll I'll echo a lot of that. I like his sound design. I like I like the I like how Duros is sound, and so I yeah, like that. That's unfortunate for you. I didn't say his voice. I said his sound <laughs> design. Uh, <laughs> but I, but I do um, I do like that. Yes, I love that it's a new character, and that I um, buy that he would go toe to toe to the with the other bounty hunters that we have seen. Um, so yes. <laughs> yeah. He's uh, allegedly like on like a Boba Fett level of elite, yeah. uh, lethal bounty hunter, yeah. which is cool to create a character like that. Yeah. yeah the, the stakes definitely feel higher when he's around, like, especially when he went into the Jedi archives. And I think like, I think he was almost willing to sacrifice his entire team for that heist. And it was, yeah. and then obviously he can, yeah, like you said, fight. You know, Jedi. He's fought all types. He has like jet boots that we haven't seen yeah. yet. He can really move if he needs to. I like the uh, way he's animated in this too. He's longer and leaner in this. Right. He seems like taller and leaner in this. Uh, he's he actually he looks very um, 
Timothy Oliphant, if Oliphant was a, a Duros, like yeah, very yeah, yeah. thin frame, thin, lanky frame. Yeah. So do do you guys think we're gonna see Cad Bane in Book of Boba? I I do. So he, he'll 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 live beyond the show. He he may lose Omega. I I think they might get her back. Honestly, I don't know. I don't know if he's gonna get oh, away with getting it. her back. Yeah. And that's the that's how this episode ends in a lot of ways. It's it's just this urgent moment of Hunter being like, we've got to get Omega back, and it's just black. And I was like, amazing, thank you, Star Wars. Like I need yeah. more of that, please. Thank you. Like I just want to be, you know, take the wind out of everything. It's kind of nice. Um. Yeah. There's there's a lot of like. There's a lot a lot of things coming at the Bad Batch right now. Like there's yes. a lot of shifting priorities. You know, like they just need a money to stay alive, shelter to stay alive. They they need to duck the you know the empire who's coming after them, um, and then all the, these random bounty hunters that they don't even know where they're coming from, and uh, and it just feels like they really got their hands full just trying to make it take it day by day. So, uh, as a personal side, as someone who is relatively new parent coming upon a year, uh, having new uh, things thrown at me at work. Um, trying to get housework done around the house, dealing with the pandemic, the show is starting to trigger me. (laughs) (laughs) Too many plates spinning on this show. Yeah, my real life is spinning plates. I don't like it here, but all joking aside, it is... is, And then Cad Bane kicks in your front door. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out what that would be in my real life. I was going to say something really vulgar about my You know you're down and out when Cad Bane appears. Yeah. Man, what are you going to take? What do you want? but all joking aside, I like it because it does like you forget about things when you're watching this show. And when they cut back, like the cut back to the Cam Owens, I'm like, oh, that's right. Bounty hunters are coming after them, too. I like, just I- want a Disney Plus series about the Cam Owens. Like, give yeah. me Lamasu and like yeah. Anui and all the, the lab, you know, scientists, Cam Owens scientists. Like, I want to see them eating lunch. I want to see drama. I want to know what's going on. You want the office Cam Cam? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. With the with the music, I want all the panda reveals. You know, strange. That would be a films. hilarious show. That would be. <laughs> all right, let's let's just do this. Let's get back to Cad Bane, so we don't we don't we don't. All right, like, right. let's not let's not because I'm trying to avoid it too. All right, we're we talking about the positives of Cad Bane. Oh yeah, yeah. you still have your positives. Any Grant. more positives? I, I mean, yeah. For me, he evokes classic Western villains like you know Lee Van Cleef and yeah. you know, characters he's played like Angel Eyes and, and and but he's also embodies a classic action villain like a, a, he will be in these high octane action moments and he is well trained I don't know what his training background is but he is right. one of the most proficient bounty hunters around I think he's made out to be the deadliest bounty hunter because he goes toe to toe with Boba in those unfinished animatics I think he's like the ultimate rival to Boba Fett as established you know currently I don't think there's another rival a real rival um, I don't know what balance is supposed to be in the comics. I don't know what that's going to turn out to be, but it's, I really feel Cad Bane may be like the, the kind of the yeah. other side of the equation. All right. Now can I talk about the negatives? We can talk about that. Yeah. What are things that you like less? Okay. Yeah. So I, I'm trying to analyze this because I didn't actually hate him in this episode. Right. So yeah. well, I'm trying to figure out like, the, like strong word i and i've never hated him but i didn't have an issue let's say i didn't like i didn't bump up against him in this episode yeah. and what he did in this episode they did a really cool introduction with having all the all the clone troopers there yeah i the second i they did a good job of really showing because the second 
um hunter had him like oh you're not you're not winning this yeah like like it's just it's not it's 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 inevitable um which really like made me really tense in a long time like i really was wondering was whether hunter so so in this episode i felt like they did a good job of introducing him i think in general um he's a very writerly character at times where i feel like if someone comes in to an existing property and they want to create a character that's from whole cloth which is important right you need something your own it it feels to me sometimes like on a playground when a kid goes, Andy flies, Andy has X-ray vision, Andy's super powerful, <laughs> Andy's invincible, and he's this like he's too good, right? Like he's too cool and he's too good at everything. And I think that's sometimes what I bump up against where I'm like, you got it. This character's a little to to borrow a, a word that Grant or phrase Grant likes to use. He's a little OP for me sometimes in this world. Um, and I, it's not even like I need him to lose. I like him winning, but he seems like. Like this, like you said, Ben. He goes well, toe to toe with Jedi. He goes toe to toe with all the bounty hunters we ever see. Like, 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 take him down two or three notches. That being said, I bought him in this, and so if this is how they're going to use him, I'm I'm going to be okay with it. I think. I think I just have a pre-existing issue with this character that I'm trying to let right. go. Uh, I can speak directly to what you're talking about. He, he lacks vulnerability. Like, unlike yeah. Fennec Shand, I can't really understand that character or get into his head and really like see what makes him tick. And like Fennec Shand, I feel like has all these really complex, you know, developments and character developments and things like that, especially with how she relates to people. And it's, it's fascinating. Whereas Cad Bane is cold. He's, I think you're allowed to hate Cad Bane. I think because in the clone wars, we, we kind of take his POV. Like he's kind of the subject in a few episodes and yeah. it bothered me. I was like, I don't want to be a part of a heist that goes into the Jedi archives. Like I don't want to yeah. just disturb that. Interesting. Sacred chamber. Yet, yeah. Yet, yet George and Dave and, and Filoni basically like threw us, you know, into the story with that character being our protagonist in a lot of weird way, in a, in a weird way. And so I think you're allowed to, he's dastardly. I think you're allowed to have, you know, I, I think you're allowed to kind of hate that character. You're supposed to hate that character. It's high drama to have this kind of dastardly Western villain on the scene. Yeah. But like you said, I think because he lacks vulnerability, you kind of just don't care. And everything they're trying to bring him into any like really important plot details, especially yeah. one regarding Omega, where you want that to be as deep and as emotional and as interesting as possible. You're like, oh, this is going to kind of nullify a lot of the ground, a lot of what we've been setting up with that character, which is we're going to be these are going to be very emotional scenes. It's very it's there's going to be a lot of human nature explored and. Yeah, Cad Bane me... takes us away from that in a weird way because he's so cold. He's such a killer. Um, yeah, let me put it this way. So we have, that scene starts with three characters whose fates are completely unknown to us right. in this universe. We don't know what's going to happen to Hunter. We don't know what's going to happen to Cad Bane. We don't know what's going to happen to Omega. Because in terms of their stories, this is as far as we've seen their, these character stories told to us. So that should be a really tense scene in terms of we don't know how this scene is going to play out. The second that scene started... My only question was whether or not Hunter was going to make it out of alive because I saw that. And I'm like, well, Hunter's going to lose and Omega's going with Cad Bane because Cad Bane is like, he always, that's wins. The he always wins. Right. And so it was tense in terms of like, please don't kill Hunter. But also I was like, please kill Hunter. Yeah, Hunter's, an, not, Hunter's an amazing Hunter. character, but from a storytelling perspective, I'm like, Ooh, this is amazing. If they're actually going to yeah. go that direction. Yeah. Um, so that's the only reason I was tense. There was no tension to me of going like, I wonder how this, I wonder what the, culmination of the scene is going to be which is weird when you're walking in with three characters that you just don't know anything about what happens in post the scene yeah I, 
Grant, thank you for validating my feelings towards uh, Cad Bane. I, I, I mean, I think I feel the same way you both do. It's just like, well, he never loses, you know. But like, that's that's what brought tension to that scene. You're like, oh no, like now Cad Bane's mm-hmm. facing off with these people I care a lot about, and you know how lethal. And I'm just like, well, Cad Bane never dies. Like he, I mean, he, le- he almost died like what three times or allegedly died like three times in the Clone Wars, and then right, but apparently still unscathed. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah, that that's pretty much it with, with him. But you you know, you, I think you you nailed it, Grant. It's just like we're supposed to hate him, and there was a lot of work and uh, you know pre production done designing that character so that he is a character to be felt, to be felt um, and feared. And um, yeah. that uh, that's what I think we got there. He definitely, I... stakes. he definitely brings stakes, but yeah, yeah stakes. So I mean, I think going forward. Right. If they need to get Omega back, they're going to do research on Cad Bane and try and because they don't know where Cad Bane's taking Omega. They don't know right. who the people are. So um, they've they've got to try and trace him, which could be a really interesting story. Maybe we will get some of his backstory. Yeah, but I think we are going to get a lot more Camino and Kevin Owens. So that's exciting. Yeah. Um, can I ask a larger question? <laughs> yes. a, little, a little like story meta storytelling because or that's not even trope tropes so i love a quick draw and we've talked about this yes. before during red dead redemption and all that like and talking about when the mandalorian was starting and in the mandalorian i love it i think it's a great trope it's super tension filled like it's wonderful Here's my question, and I know there's an answer to this question, so I'm not asking it as in, like, I'm so smart. I'm actually coming at it from a point of, like, please educate me. What is the purpose of a quick draw? Meaning, like, what is the purpose of sitting there and waiting 10, 15, 20 seconds to draw? Is there advantage to waiting? And I mean this legit. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm asking? It's like, dramatic. why does that happen? It's called it's called drama, Adam. Right. No, I can't. Yeah. But like, like that's exactly where I got to. I'm like, this is wonderful drama. But then I'm like, why? Is this, why? Is, is this like a thing? Is there a strategy? If you don't want to draw first, if you draw, you want to psych out the other person. But if you win by psyching out the other person, they're just going to draw and shoot you. So like, so I think I got an like, answer for you. there, Because I know there has to be. Well, because I think I don't think they wanted to just kill each other right off the bat. And I was actually going to raise the question to you before we mentioned that. Like, do you really think Cad Bane wanted to kill Hunter? Because I think they both gave each other. He's like, these are the rules. He's like, give me the kid or else I'm going to smoke you. And he's like, Mm -hmm. he's you know, Hunter's not just smoking randos either. Um, So it's like, okay, here we are. And it's like, all right, it's down to this. And now we know the rules of engagement. And then the only other logical thing is to quick draw. It's like, all right, well, who's going to pull first? So is it a connection to old honor dueling where the person always has the ability to forfeit, right? Is that why that's going down, where you're just drawing yeah, it out as long yeah, as you can for the person down, say, nope, faded. you're out, I, you win. I'm, I, it's a standoff. I it's a standoff. It's not a quick draw. Yeah. It's a okay. standoff. So, you so there's know. no strategy. Yeah. You're just trying to wait. You're just trying to, to hope that the other person blinks. Blinks. Okay. All yeah, right. I mean, the only that other real, the only other real uh, quick draw standoff we got was um, Beckett and Han in um, Solo. Uh, yeah, and that made a Jason lot of sense. Watch that movie. Yeah, Jason. And, right, that movie. and I mean, they were friends, right? Yeah, and I bought like, it. In that want to do this? And yeah, because you know. in that, I legit kept waiting for one of them 
to Same. say no, like I'm done, which is just, it was just one of those really funny moments where it's something I love so much and I just don't even question it normally. And I've played it in, because now I'm like Red Dead Redemption, there's no option for them to stop it. So I'm like, that's just weird. But like, but now yeah. I'm just like, but now I'm just, it was one of those moments where I'm like, wait, why, why is this a thing? <laughs> and it broke my brain for, for like a day for the, I watched it like 6am this morning and I, ever so often I'd be working there. They'd be like, so, so, so why? Why, why quick draw? Why I think just I? taking a life is, uh, you know, you got to contemplate. Yeah. That. Yeah. You know, someone's, yeah. someone's going to lose this, this, this gunfight. It's going to be, there's going to be one winner. There's going to be one loser. It's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like honorable. I don't know. There's like maybe some honor to it. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I think it is. I think it comes from old honor dueling, right? Like, oh, like, you know, to, to 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 be fair, which most I've learned through watching the musical Ham, uh, uh, Hamilton like four times, um, right. so I got all those rules down in my head in verse. Um, so right. and a lot of those are allowing the people opportunities to to blink right to stand down. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I lost what I was going to say. That's Good. all I got. So no, but you, I get it. do you I think do you think that um, Cad Bane? Shot uh, Hunter in the breastplate on purpose. Oh, that's what I was gonna ask. Yeah, you think I, yes? I do. I, I mean, I think that's where you all. I think that's kind of because he's a classical gunslinger. You always shoot for the heart, right? Okay. So I think he just does it out of whatever, knowing it wouldn't kill them. Um, center so my, mass. Yeah, center mass. Like my my related question to that is: Did either of you, when it happened, think that Hunter was dead? I did. I did too. I really yeah. did. Yeah. I, I which, mean, it, it was yeah. it was definitely like a real possibility. Right? Yeah. yeah. Which is awesome. Like it's awesome that that show has done such work where you Cuz I think we saw a clean hole through a yeah. cone earlier in the show. I think in the last yep. episode. Yeah. yeah. And I'm fine that they didn't and I liked that we got that like first person view and it makes sense from a storytelling perspective not to kill him and now he has to go save him but it was it was tense. I was literally sitting there going I can't believe they might have just yeah. killed Hunter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, another thing is like it also can kind of not retcon, but really puts into perspective every other time a stormtrooper or someone in armor got shot in the chest and fell down. You know, it's like it, it maybe maybe the armor did its work. There, there's a lot of sort of if you want to be like, well, actually, it's like, does the armor do anything? You know, because yeah. they, they seem to drop like flies, but it's like, well, it kept them alive. You yeah, know, it even though it the, got knocked it down, knocks them out or something. Right. Yeah. yeah. So if if one of the scrappers could survive that like stun ray shot and then like flying off the construction speeder, like I'm sure Hunter's alive. Oh well, no, that one, that guy's dead. Like I <laughs> yeah. watched that laughing. That, like I was like, last. That's the first time I've seen someone stun someone to death. Yeah, I've exactly. Never seen that before in Star Wars, I, I yeah. might have laughed at that moment too. Um, <laughs> I am I swear like, what's the point of using stun? At least take him out of his misery. Like that is terrible. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I guess the other thing too is Star Wars has primed us that mentors die. Right? And and oh, yeah. Hunter is. So I think that's part of that subconscious of like feeling very fearful for Hunter in a lot of ways, because he is Omega's mentor in a lot of ways more than anyone else. Are are you referring to the fact that we watched Caleb Dune? Uh, watch I mean, uh, Deepa Balaba get killed. Yeah, or any other Star Wars movie, TV show, comic, okay. video game. Right, and, and then Hunter's going right? to go on like, to experience a kind of moment that mirrors that, maybe with yeah. his own tragedy. Yeah. And then he's like, wow, I, I actually had, 
a, a you know a young uh, a mentee that saw saw me die, and how is he going to operate in that moment? Yeah, that's cool. It is very cool. It's very cool. Um, so as far as like, what what are predictions to what we're going to do next week with this? Anything? We think we're just going to chase down Cad Bane. Well, yeah, probably. I'm going to say something that's going to sound re- really. I, I don't mean it if it comes across my mask. What Dave Filoni property have we not encountered yet? Because that's kind of where I'm starting to guess. <laughs> now, and and I and I and I could be coming Dave across, Bingo. It could be coming across as snarky, but I really do feel that like he is he is doing this. He's revisiting so many of his characters, right? Where I'm just like, every time I'm like, of course it's not. Of course it's not Bail Organa. It's Rex. Of course it's not you know, um, a Jedi or, or I thought it might be Boba Fett. Of course it's Cad Bane. So now I'm just trying to get into that mindset of Dave Filoni. And uh, I don't know. You know, one thing I was I was sort of pondering. What as about Saw? Was, Saw Guerrero. Yeah, Saw, right? Yeah. So it, actually, it's kind of interesting because like we're seeing the Bad Batch being put at the like nexus of a garden of forking paths of possibilities. Yeah. They like they've seen what it's like to be a smuggler. They've seen what it's like to join the Empire. They've seen Rex and his affiliation with some sort of rebellion that they don't know anything about. We've seen Saw Gerrera and like his form of rebellion and what he's going into. And now we're really getting deeper down the bounty hunter hole. Like they could be yeah. like maybe as a pursue Cad Bane, if he left them alive, like he could be like try and seduce them into the bounty hunter life. Um, that's true. Yeah, that's really interesting. But it's like it's like the full pantheon of all the roles you can play in the Star Wars galaxy. If you're yeah. a highly trained mercenary have been laid out in front of them um, through these first eight episodes. So yeah. and we have no idea which direction they're going to go. Feels like the opening, you know, 10 hours of a JRPG where it's just like you're introduced to each of these mentor characters to be like, which character are you going to identify as? Right. Yeah. You know, in my heart. I would, you know, or like as just like me playing, I'd probably go the Cad Bane route first. Yeah, I'd probably go Bounty Hunter where I them just to see because like that would be kind of an exciting path to go. Yeah, but the Empire one would be fun. This should be a game, honestly. Like that's how they should do the game. And like you, you sort of like choose your own adventure and could yeah. pick your way into it. It would be a massive game and take 10 years to make, but it would be really fun to play. Well, Ubisoft's doing that open world game. So, yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah. Do you guys think we're going to get other bounty hunters besides Fennec and Cad Bane? Do you think, like, yes. a, do you think Boba Fett could appear yes. in the show given <laughs> Dave Filoni's close involvement with book of Boba Fett? Yes. Yeah. I mean, Boba isn't really a Filoni property, but, but precedent is there for Filoni playing with Boba Fett and, and yeah. young Boba Fett. Um, so that'd be cool. That, that definitely will happen. I, I have another question for you. Who would you pick? To come out of that shuttle, other than Cad Bane, you get one. You get one choice. Oof, that's a good one. Um, well, so I, I'll go. I I would have gone. So if if it lined up exactly like that, there that there are all these dead clone troopers there, and you kind of get the same reveal, yeah. knowing. Like I'm trying to play along, knowing that we do know it's a bounty hunter at that point. I would have loved an IG88. Like, I feel like that would have been super intimidating to have that to have that character just, you know, because we've seen from the Mandalorian what what an assassin droid can do. Yeah, that would be there's precedent there, too. That would definitely add drama to IG-88. People would be like, is that IG-11? And be like, no, right. no this is the real deal. 
Yeah. Um, that would be a good one. I mean, I was going to say Dengar, honestly. Yeah, no, you I can't know, go wrong with Dengar. Right? I mean, it would be, and then they could have Dengar win that duel and add some credence to, like, what kind of character he is. Yeah. What about Boba and his Boba's first bounty? Like, or one I of his thought it was going to be Boba. Yeah. That's, and he takes him out, and you're like, oh, is Boba the most deadly, you know, offspring of Jango or, you know, yeah, duplicate? You know, like, here we go. Like, let's explore Omega and Boba's relationship. You know, like, I don't know. Stuff like I that. I think we are. I think we're going to get Boba. But I think, and again, every, keep in mind, every single prediction I've made so far for the show has been utterly wrong. <laughs> um, I, I think, which, again, I'm fine with because I'm enjoying the ride they're taking me on. I think we get Boba season finale. I think they're holding off on that, on that, yeah. to pull that card. I want a random bounty hunter, like a Watt Tambor bounty hunter. Yeah. yeah, I'm on. Love it, please. Yeah, yeah. Again, get weird. That's basically dirt, yeah. I guess. But whatever. No, but okay. I mean that's why I do like a lot of what's going on with Cad Bane. Like I love the fact that we have a Duros bounty hunter. That's awesome. Yeah, that's super yeah. cool. Yeah, it was the Shriv show, Shriv Disney yeah. Plus series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's great out of uh, Battlefront Two. They made an awesome character, awesome Duros character, <laughs> right? <laughs> One of the one of the best characters in video Star Wars video game history, I feel. He's, he's yeah. Great. Yeah, he's definitely like oh. top three. I'm thinking of like Greasy. I'm like, I love Greasy, but I like Ooh, Shiv. Greasy is a good character. Yeah. <laughs> Keep it Greasy. All right. And with that, uh, let's get into the comics. Let's egress off this topic. <laughs> Bounty hunters. We don't need that scum. Welcome back to Boba's Bounty Board. This week we're covering Star Wars number 14, War of the Bounty Hunters, Save Solo. Uh, written by Charles Sewell. Uh, Raymond Rosanas is the artist. Uh, Rachel Rosenberg is the colorist. VCs Clayton Cowell's letter. Um, Carlo Pegliana and Jason Paz and Rain Barreto are the cover artists on this one. Uh, and I actually got the Lando cover, variant cover, um, very happy I was able to snag this. That's uh, awesome. Gorgeous issue. Um, in this issue, basically, simple summary, uh, while Luke goes on a flight mission with Starlight Squadron, Lando, Lobot, Chewie, and C-3PO company lay on her mission to infiltrate the Crimson Dawn auction and rescue a still-frozen Han. And we're basically getting part one of that journey, um, which it ends up the with landing. The, the landing. <laughs> Sorry. And we land. End of part one. Yeah. <laughs> But a lot happens in between. <laughs> yeah. There's no, so many fun. characters in this run. You know, there's like and in so many plot lines, there's like Starlight Squadron and there's Leia and there's Luke and there's Chewie and uh, C-3PO and his hijinks. And then like Chewie and C-3PO sticking together in the yeah. issues. Love that. fun odd couple there. Yeah. I love and then, it. I think know, Lando and Lobot. Lando and Lobot. Yeah. Which is my personal favorite. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we got a lot of it this episode, which was awesome. So I'm going to spoil a lot in about a sentence, but we can get back to it. <laughs> we can we can talk a bit yeah. about it. I, I I love what the comics are doing because there's a there is a seer. This is a, an issue within pages. You have Lando and Chewie discussing the events of Solo. Yeah. And then you have Leia talking to Holdo. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So you have yeah. prequel, sequel, like you have all these trilogies, like you Holdo have all these different infiltrating the yeah. underground, the the, yeah. uh, the underworld, the syndicates. That's pretty mm-hmm. cool. Like I, mm-hmm. that's a Disney Plus series. 
Yeah. And I think we're going to see more of that, right? Like that, that's got to be an explored plot line in this series. I mean, we have so many issues that we have to see. I wonder if we're going to get a Holdo reveal. I wonder if she might be part of Crimson Dawn. We know that Kyrus is surrounding herself with strong women, right? I wonder if we're going to get a reveal that, that actually Holdo is someone in disguise at some point. Mm. Within Crimson Dawn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would, that would be great. Great use. She seems to be undercover. I mean, when you see her in the hologram, it looks yeah. like she's wearing some some garments that look like heavier than maybe what she'd choose. You know, it's like it seems like it's maybe yeah. part of some factions, you know, official outfit or something. I don't know what it is. It's kind of like a, you know, it, it's inconspicuous too. I mean, she's trying to, I think, stay hidden wherever she is. Yeah, operate. it reminded me of like ground troops in uh, Rogue One, sort of. Yeah, like yeah, very much so. Yeah, um, very cool. Um, also, I mean, I. I want to just skip to the Lando and Lobot stuff. I, I've one of the most heartbreaking things I've seen in these comics Oof. was when that ancient droid brought Lobat Lobot back to like cognizance for like a moment, and then like snatched it away from him. And I and I was just like, man, I hope they get back to that. And reading this, I was like, they're gonna do it. <laughs> and they and they you know did finally made that link that this ancient droid can bring Lobot back because. Lobot, I don't know, maybe just because he's a handsome post-haired gentleman like um, I am, that I, I just feel a connection with Lobot. But I just want, I, I would love to see his arc come back around where he's like cogent again, you know, like actually has. Yeah, I mean, how much screen time does Lobot have in Empire Strikes Back? Five minutes? Like, oh, my God. Or less, Five, maybe. No, less. Maybe I was going to say two, like yeah. 100 frames. Yeah. <laughs> but he captures imaginations immediately, right? Because yeah. it's just like we've never seen anything like this in Star Wars. We've seen people that are have are are kind of connected to robotics, but the fact that he's like you're just watching this going, he's like Lando is literally like booting him up, right? Like it's just yeah. fascinating. Yeah. yeah, he's a super cool character too. The way he can just yeah. out, reach out his hand and and affect droids like that is pretty cool as uh, for a character. But mm-hmm. oh. And I think he may ha- actually have more screen time with than we think, because we get a lot of walking, of Lobot walking. Yeah. That's why I was going to say. Around an empire, we get a lot he's of with, he's standing in the background. there in the background. Yeah. Um, right. In terms of, like, when he's the subject, I think there's really that one incredible shot where his eyes open that I, it's, it's honestly oh, one of my favorite so shots good. in all Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just incredible. Um, it, but, like, so to refresh our listeners, like, when did when did we learn about um Lobot, that 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 ancient droid and Lobot was that earlier in this run or was that yes. Sewell's other run? That was earlier in this Star Wars run. Only only what four issues ago, four or five issues right. ago, something about that. Yeah, because yeah. the they needed that ancient droid for the new encryption, the, the talkie. Their, yeah, the talkie, yeah, the talkie, yeah. or like to be the the wind talker that like gave the new uh, encrypted code so that they could the um, rebellion could reunite uh, after yeah. being scattered after Empire. There's a there's an interesting moment in this issue because we know from the last couple episodes that Lando is still indebted and somewhat working with slash for Job of the Hut, right? Yeah. We've seen these 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 yeah. really um short Him conversations. And on speed dial. Exactly. It's a Ray Kylo. It's a lot of vagueness about what is what does Jabba actually want. And so this is a nice reveal that he wants that droid. So there's a couple things. A, it's super interesting to think about what does Jabba need with a High Republic droid? And then the other issue that's really... That was nice is I'm like, oh, he's not actually... 
it's he's not it's not great, but he's not selling out the republic completely, right? Like this, he kind of is because this is going to be the like who knows what Jabba will do with that information if you've got mm-hmm. the. The, the decryption code for the rebellion credits. I mean, he's not going to sell that to anyone. Good. Right. Yeah. But like, yeah. this is a classic example of Lando failing in the right direction. I think right. it's going to be one of those things where he's like, Oh no. Like if for personal, you know, selfish purposes, he's going to want that droid back and not give him to Jabba. But yeah. he could come off like looking like a hero because he's <laughs> right. keeping the codes right. from, from Jabba the Hutt, you know, and him being like, I, you know, it was my purpose the whole time, baby. <laughs> um, but then we know Lando wants to re- retrieve the droid. And yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. So, so like he could ultimately retrieve the droid, not give him to Jabba and, um, and, and look, you know, look like he, a virtuous maneuver there somehow, but um, I don't right. know. Uh, and they literally uh, run into convincing Chewie. Uh, Chewie seems to be like the point man mm-hmm. <laughs> of where they're yeah. going. Love Chewie flying the Falcon, by the way. Love yes. that choice. Uh, so uh, good. Probably my favorite, you know, panels in this issue are just Chewie roaring at the the the, the helm. Yeah, super cool, super cool. Um, just like Chewie yamming stuff. the yoke left and right, yeah. <laughs> pulling off sweet moves. Yeah, yeah. I love that he got some credit in this for because it's like. You know, it's like Jordan and Pippin, like maybe maybe Han Solo is Jordan as far as like pilots in the galaxy. But like Chewie is definitely Pippin, which is like maybe carried him the whole time. <laughs> you know, like, he's like oh, don't sleep on Chewie. He's a pretty darn good pilot as well. Yeah, so someone we are, someone are literally one of the best. Yeah, yeah. it's so good. But they the, that great pilot literally runs into Black Sun. And apparently so, nobody likes Black Sun. No. No one okay. likes Black Sun. They're a bunch of chumps. But are we going to get Black Sun ran that... into him? They came out of hyperspace. Yeah, fair enough. Um, <laughs> but as Chris mentioned, so are we going to are we finally going to recanonize Prince Zizor? Maybe. Does anyone remember Prince Zizor on my my own? Here? Are we getting a? Uh, no, show? I do remember or, him. I'm is trying Book to remember. Boba going to get into the syndicates, like all the syndicates, because there's a place to do all of them in Book of Boba. You do all the weird syndicate heads, you know, yeah. and they could be all types of different species. It could be really awesome to see all the different syndicates, even more than are mentioned. I feel like we had like a Zizor name drop earlier in one of these things, because so, I know we've stumbled through across Black Sun and something. We've seen Black Sun before, but in terms of Zizor, he is technically canon because here here it comes. He was mentioned in the 53rd issue of the 2014 magazine Star Wars Build the Millennium Falcon. Oh, so I'm going to say like, lock it up. I, I, you know, cool. I, I might dispute that as being canon, <laughs> like canon of the Empire canon. Not yeah, Like, I, you know, so so it'd be really interesting to see if we actually get like they have that opportunity to bring in Zizor legit. Or in like an actual storytelling. It would make sense at this sort of auction, which is very reminiscent of another event in the Marvel mm-hmm. comics. Right? There really is a lot of synergy going on right now. There's I don't know if you're reading the other Marvel comics, but there's the Hellfire Gala that's happening in the yeah. Oh, yeah. multiple think Marvel X-Men runs. Uh that's incredible. And everyone should check out because a lot of it's... really interesting meta and yeah, <laughs> crazy storytelling. It's awesome. I mean, 
They literally run into Kevin Feige. (laughs) See Kevin Feige in one of the panels. Mm -hmm. Yikes. Unreal. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so it looks like we're going to see this Crimson Dawn auction, which I thought was a dinner. And I feel like I called a dinner several times in the last episode. uh, It could be both. Seems to be an auction. Um, but you can auction things off while eating dinner. But people will dress to the nines. It might be like Canto Bite. Like it might be cool to see, you know, Syndicate, you know, oh, yeah. in their kind of most regal attire. That could be cool. Are we going to see Cad Bane at this event, do you think? Yes, he'll be skulking in the shadows, you know, taking yeah. contracts. Yeah, I, that would make sense. I do like that. Right, who fact do you guys that... want to see at this auction that hasn't oh. been seen yet? That's a good I Haven't seen yet. Yeah. <laughs> okay, where are we in the time? You're not allowed to say Dengar or Balance. They're not allowed. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're going to see. They them. have their own comic. They have their own comic. All right. Oh. Pretty well, Seesaur is a pretty good. Bet. That would be a good one. Yeah. That would be a fun one. Ooh. Don't. I mean, no. I, it's, I feel like we almost got Mara Jade in that issue where Luke gets I mean, the saber. Yeah. Well, you I don't think if, the hand of the empire would be there? I would love that if Marjade's like this art connoisseur and yeah, valuating all like all the you know items up for auction. But I, <laughs> I it's going to be <laughs> I mean, so much that. fun to scour through the background of those of those panels because it's going to be Dooku's lightsaber. I want to see Dooku's lightsaber mm. on the auction. <laughs> yes, that'd be awesome. Here's all my credits. <laughs> uh, so the, the Empire is going to be here, right? I mean, Vader is going to I think the next uh, comic yeah. next week is going to be Vader, right? And so oh, Vader's going to crash this event. No doubt. No, no doubt. doubt. Would, would like the with Ochi. Empire send something else separate from Vader? Like, but I mean, like, well, I think the Emperor never talk, you know, the Emperor never really talks. Ve- he just sends Vader on his missions like Vader. No, you, you know what to do, you know, but would you trust Vader at an auction? Yeah, <laughs> like a bull in a China shop. That's like, the yeah, definition. yeah. <laughs> Dude, don't forget. I mean, you're right. Like he shows up and it's just like suddenly it's a <laughs> yeah. let's stay Hunts, alive. Hunter, game. Hunts are done for if he shows up. I, yeah. Like every time he got out bit, he would just he would just force choke <laughs> that person. Them. That person. Yeah. <laughs> Worst auction ever. The guy <laughs> yeah, yeah. kept choking out he, people. Yeah. In the he he wouldn't suffer an auctioneer. He would just like <laughs> go to the center of the room, choke out the auctioneer and be like, it's mine. Anybody want to have a problem with that? And people would start looking at the exits yeah. and then he'd take w- what it was and be like, I'm out. Could, Bye. Can you imagine being the auctioneer and like the black hand raises a paddle and you're just like, <laughs> uh, what should I say? It's sold to Darth Vader. This <laughs> is Darth Vader for free. Bye. Enjoy, Lord, Lord Vader. I find your lack of credits <laughs> disturbing. <laughs> uh, but don't forget, he first has to fight IG-88 before he gets to that auction. Why? I don't know, because that's what the cover says for the next Vader, uh, issue of Vader. Uh, okay. All right. Well, great. We'll find out next week. That'll be great. I'm looking forward to IG-88. We know we're going to get his standalone. I think Maybe I- the um, the Umbaran um, Admiral or the um, or Masameda might be at the auction. Mm. Also, oh, yeah. needs an issue. He needs something to do. He's yeah. we haven't really highlighted him in a fun way. It's Slymore is the the name of the Umbaran uh, admiral or Slymore. Uh, 
chief yeah. Slymore and yeah i was thinking actually like most likely it would be Slymore or masameda there from if if there uh he was going to send a contingency but again it's like it's it's just han solo frozen carbonite like it's like they make a joke about it like wow it's actually kind of flattering that all these people care about him but it's like how much value i mean i understand his value to vader because he knows he's precious to luke right um but like to everyone you know and I guess what if Jabba gets Han and and forgoes paying Boba? Boba had never gotten paid for that bounty. Well, then they'd that's have... a there's a very strong chance that that could be the result. And he's just hanging around Jabba's, hoping that Jabba will change his or mind. Or Jabba's like Jabba's like you think you're the ultimate bounty hunter, but I've outsmarted even you. Or you know, it's doing something where it's like it's Jabba. You know, he plays the mind games with the people. I mean, it's it's possible, but I don't know that. I really want it to be Bobo who brings him in for yeah, some reason. Like that's when I, I'm looking at it, I thought happened as a kid. Yeah. As a kid. Yeah. That's yeah. What he, the Occam's That'd razor. be a pretty massive retcon if it was like, no, nope, he bought him <laughs> in an auction. <laughs> I mean, yeah. this whole thing's a pretty massive retcon. So is it, is it. he brought <laughs> right, before Jabba right. before Boba brings it to him? That's going yeah. to happen. What's that? So Jabba is going to like make contact with the, Han frozen in carbonite before Boba unloads him and, and hands him off. I, I guess, right? Because he's going to be at the auction. <laughs> right. This is real weird. So the value of of Han Solo is that he's valuable to Jabba, right? So if someone else right. gets it, they know Jabba will pay top dollar for it. But Jabba's I like that. There's beat. something interesting. Yeah. And other crime syndicates who just want to one-up Jabba, just stick it to him, right? Right, right. It's a MacGuffin in, you know, the strongest sense of that yes. trope. Like, I'm don't trying to wrap my head around it. Don't you feel like they're just going to be like one of these issues where they go to the auction, you're just going to get clips of all the different syndicates talking about what they would do if they won the job. The, the it's Solo like the Maltese Falcon in a lot of ways. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. But they laid the groundwork, right? Like, and so in this issue, they really showed why he's valuable to the rebellion. You yep. know, not that they had to do it, but they even invoke some of uh, Leia's force premonition. Mm -hmm. And in her mind, she's like, "I need Han Solo." Like Han Solo is is. Oh, that was incredible <sighs> to see yeah. those panels of her seeing that vision of yeah. him, uh, you know, unfreezing. Right. Uh, that was awesome. I was like, yeah, that's her motivation right now is to get him out. And which is it was perfect. She's like, also, I don't know why, but he's keyed. Yeah, all. exactly. Yeah. Which is cool because she again, she doesn't know she has a connection to the force at this point in the story. So it's just this weird. Her I, I would love to talk yeah. about that, actually, because when Luke and her talk, he's like, I used to hear you talking and now I just I hear your mind. And I think it was just, you know, the poetic idea that she's just her thoughts are racing, trying to find Han and she hasn't been acting herself because she's lost someone she cares deeply about. And then uh, Luke kind of noticing that. But there's also like, did you guys did that evoke the force for you guys, too? And they're oh, yeah. kind of like, yeah, evolving. yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, he was talking about he's like you're you're acting from your head instead of your heart. And, yeah. you know, there's definitely like a force metaphor in there somewhere. And so. I don't know exactly what that means, but, um, you know, she seems confident, like after she has that vision, she's like, yes. And 
obviously she had the inside info from uh, Amelyn Holdo, which was cool. That, that said, do you guys want more Jedi foreshadowing with Leia in these comics? And as we get to Return of the Jedi and the comics that follow that film? I don't mind it so much, like especially the way it was done in this, where it could just be someone daydreaming. Right. Like I, I could buy her just sitting there thinking about like like fantasizing as we all do about what would happen. Right. When I think really that could be really up. fun. Just yeah, looking at like, I, a yeah. glass of water or something or like and like feeling like maybe like a lot of these like the like a lot of time slows down with Leia. Like we feel like this character does have the force in a lot of ways. And like we really expand on that in the comics. I think that could be really fun. It could be a really cool direction to go. Yeah, you're right, man. That would be really fun. Yeah. I, I at first I was going to say I could take it or leave it. Because I think, you know, they do a nice job in the sequel trilogy, sort of like just teasing it. You know, I like the teases to it. And then finally, when we get to Rise of Skywalker, we realize she was trained. Um, but, yeah, it's I think that would be that would be kind of cool if you go on these really sort of like dreamscape sort of with Leia. Like, let's like, go past Leia. Luke, maybe like, yeah. you know, allow some of that storytelling to happen with Leia as well, because we're getting a lot of it with Vader and Luke. And it's and, cool to see it with her. And, you know, and there's that line in Return of the Jedi where she's like, I know it. I know it. I know. Exactly. Known. Yeah. I've always yeah. known. And yeah. like maybe, yep. you know, you could actually lay some of that groundwork here where she's just like, so, you know, this well, feels Luke weird. Hanging, Luke hanging from the antenna on Best. Yeah. Like it yeah. starts there. And that's where yeah. that's where these comics need to go, because that's that's actually already developing pretty quickly. In, right. In well, you get this really interesting storytelling where that happens off screen between the two movies, but we are kind of, we know this had to happen that she is fully in the bag for Han, right? She at this point loves Han, but she knows she has this really strong connection to Luke. Right. And, and so, and they, and they do that kind of fun in, in Jedi where like you get that like you, you get that oh, reveal shit. and she's like i know i've always known and you get han who's also seen the audience, connection right? just like i get it I'll, I'll get out of your way i know you too like i love that scene between the two of them yeah. because it's just such great storytelling of like her reaction is like no silly like just it's such a wonderful little moment but you can play all of that out a bit from leia's side now right because you get very little of the leia's side of that story if you think about it in in that right like in the movies so i just love that you can play it with it a little bit here yeah. Awesome episode. Um, I always look forward to the Star Wars. I mean, I look forward to all these comics. They're fantastic. Yeah. But the Star Wars, it's, it's always this really inter- intricate tapestry of uh, storylines yeah. inter- interweave. Yeah. Um, and it, it does a lot of legwork. And it, it's great to see the, the original trilogy characters. So um, great thing. And then uh, next week, we will we'll, uh, cover uh, Vader's next installment of War of the Bounty Hunters. So mm-hmm. great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they had multiple writers and they just they, I mean granted they wrote like 19 books in that series you didn't need it but this is like really high quality writing which is great but it just really slows down the pace of the storytelling where I'm like wait like I don't even remember apart from like the great disaster and what's his gray storm 
um, loading great storm, loading great storm, like that. I remember. Maybe that's all I do need to remember, right? From it, like that's what the rising storm. But it'd be interesting. It's just like, and also the battle at the end, the space battle at the end, right? With all the mini jumps. Yeah. All right. So I guess I know what I need to know, but just like, where are we going with this? Let's let's move forward a little bit. Let's. For those that don't know, we are talking about the High Republic. (laughs) Are we live? We're. Oh yeah, we're live. (laughs) Um. Uh, yeah, I love this issue, guys. This is High Republic Adventures number five, um, written by Daniel Jose Elder. Um, again, Zine and Crix might be the, one of the more interesting dichotomies, like, you know, uh, yeah, in dualities, dyad yeah. we've seen in in Star Wars in a long time, especially with Zine. Like, I love uh, an alien species at the center of the story. Like, that's. Mm-hmm. This is basically all the makings of a great feature film. I don't know if I've said that before, but it's it, to me like just aesthetically when you look at some of the characters like Farzala and, and Lula. Buckets of blood. Port and buckets of <laughs> blood. blood. And Yoda's in the mix. It just feels like a really eclectic uh, ensemble. Uh, love yeah. this. And you know this this entire first part because that's what we find at the end of this fifth issue. It says end part one, right? So this is clearly putting a pin in this storyline to move it forward. But, you know, we've been telling the story with Zine and Crix, right? And we were wondering whether they're going to come back together or not. And it's, you know, heartbreaking, but I do like that it ends with their paths being solidified, right? They're both becoming apprentices in some way to their different factions. Right. And so is this now confirmation that the main, the villain in this was not Martian Rowe? Because I think we see his face for the first time. No, that is Martian Rowe. So we yep. see Martian's Rowe. Rowe's face. For the yeah. first time. For the first time in this series. Here, in this issue. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's my big. understanding. Yeah. Okay, that's pretty big news. Because yeah. he, he gives him the helmet that's like the Eye of the Storm, which is basically like the Mandalore or whatever, like the mantle of Mandalore or something. Yes, yeah. well, it, was a, it was a helmet from his younger days is what he said. Right. So right, he's had a right. couple of helmets over the course and of his life. I, we do know from the Light of the Jedi, right, that Marshan Rowe has kind of he's someone, right? Like there's a lot right. of this weird like or he's second generation. That I am. That's interesting because Charles Sewell tweeted something earlier where he's like, there's something secret about Martian Rowe that's like, he really he was alluding to something that I think like there's some kind of nugget in his character that we're all yeah. going to understand. At some point, everything's going to click. I think so. Who that character is. It was hinted at in Land of the Jedi. There was a lot of this, like, as I remember, a lot of like, they don't know my real background or something. Right. Like that. Well, one of the things is that, like, you know, they I think they were considered like, he and his father were like considered mystics, but their dirty secret. But was like, like was it like, was it his father? Wasn't it like at the end he was like, you know, I said he was my father. I forget what he said. He was like, it just became even more mysterious at the end, right? Like when he well, was, kind we of know involved. one of their secrets is that they have a Santeca in a box, right? right. Like, uh, oh right, I forgot Santeca, about that. Like, and like that was one of his dirty little secrets. But maybe there's something else, you know? Yeah, it has something to do with his legacy. Um. And gosh, it's been a minute since I've read that because I'm trying to remember about his relationship with his father because maybe he wasn't a, a blood relative. I don't know. That could be the thing. But um, but there was there was something going on with his father uh, that I guess was one of these pathfinders back then. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so fantastic. And I, I did not see it going here. You know, 
I was yeah. like, okay, Crick's might veer down the Nile path, but like now he's making him like almost an heir apparent. Yeah. I mean, to Marcian Rowe, which is wild. In a lot of ways, I mean, they seem to be suggesting that the higher public stuff is going in three waves or three episodes or however you want to categorize it, a trilogy of stories. And this is the end of part one. And they did confirm that the next issue will be part of phase two of the storytelling. So it's, it's interesting that they ended part one with a very Empire Strikes Back. Like, this feels like the ending of the second part of a trilogy, right? Like, our characters are divided. They they have fallen into their alliances. It's just really interesting. Because, again, I, I thought yeah. they would come together at the end of this, a very hopeful ending. And it's just It was not. fun to see the, the crisscrossing of kind of morality with Zine mm-hmm. and Crick's like I feel like Zine really gives into the dark side in this issue mm-hmm. and Crick's after he realizes he's shot Zine's starfighter down he's actually kind of compassionate yeah. and empathetic yeah, that's really and, good point. and it's really fun to see that crisscross and I think a lot of people thought something like that was gonna happen in the sequels which it does to to, to be fair but I a think little like, bit yep it was really nice to see uh exemplified here uh, with yeah. Zine, especially the Zine scenes, I was like, "Whoa, she is really giving in." She is picking up a blaster eventually, trying to just yeah. shoot at Cricks. I was like, "This is really dark." I mean, that's what happens when you have a super powerful force user that you're not willing to train, right? That's not yeah. trained, and yeah, I mean, for me, it was when Cricks. As soon as Marcian Rowe extends his hand, Cricks just runs to it, and I was like, "All right, he's lost now." Like that yeah. was the fighting moment for me, um, and it, but also on the other side. It's interesting how the Jedi are hedging with Zine. Mm-hmm. They're like, well, you can't be a Jedi, but we're going to train you in the ways on how to be good, like how to be a good person that has contact with the force. Yeah, they're like, hang on Starlight Beacon. We'll help you use your force, for, force powers for good. You know, I was like, okay, but, you know. It's really yeah. interesting because we're going to be introduced to a character or being more depth to a character in the second wave in the main story, in the main book, The Rising Storm by Kevin Scott, the character Ty Yurik, which is a sellsword, yeah. right? So we are getting more Force users out in the galaxy that aren't necessarily part of the Jedi, something we yeah. haven't really seen before in, in, any, in a lot of that, other than like Night Sisters and things like that. But it seems like yeah. some of these Force-adjacent, Force-sensitive non-Jedi are still kind of welcome in the galaxy or even tolerated by the Jedi. It's really interesting. And also it's like, so if there's all these Jedi and like no Sith that we know of, like, is this balance? This is what balance looks like? You know, I mean, I don't know. How, yeah. what, what does the High Republic understand about the nature of the Force and the dogma of the Jedi that can maintain this balance where they're not like, and, and what is that in contrast to the Jedi that we see at the fall of the Jedi and the rise of the Empire? Um, well, I mean, I think balance is subjective. Like you, everyone has yeah. about what balance is. Yeah. But you have to imagine there are kind of dark lords in the shadows, you know, working. Yeah. It's because we uh, obviously the line all the way to Palpatine. And yeah. And we uh, have that show, the, the throne of the Sith Eternal and all this new lore we have to gr- grip with, you know, uh, kind yeah. of contemplate and, and add into the mix. So we, I, I feel like there's could be there's the probably Sith out there. So I think if you want to do like the balance is the light and dark side of the force and on some sort of metric, I feel like there's probably some pretty powerful dark lords out there, I imagine. And I wouldn't be surprised if Mark yeah. John Rowe is connected to that. 
And the Drenge gear are connected to that. Right? Aren't the Drenge are like Sith, basically? Yeah. They like they are they're connected to the dark side of the force. There's a hunger, and that hunger reminds yeah. me of like Darth Nile from you know Kotor too. And yeah, uh, it reminds me of other, you know, like Scion and stuff like that. Like a lot of them. A lot of the Drenger kind of remind me of that, and I feel like if anything's balancing off the Jedi and the entire, you know, um, cast we know about, it, it may be the Drengear. And and like you said, maybe Ty Yorick becomes clutch in this situation as a monster hunter, as a sellsword. Right. Yeah, that could be cool. Yeah. Right. So we got stuff on the horizon that's really interesting about this stuff. You know, I, I, I think a lot of, you know, this this issue did a really good job of kind of like lining us up for where we're going in phase two, right? We know that the Nile are established. Um, we know that the Jedi are there in Starlight Beacon. And so we'll talk a lot more about this next week. I think next week we're on the eve of the Light of the Jedi, which I'm sorry, the Rising Storm, which is the second adult, quote unquote, adult novel in the series. Right, but sequel there's a, to Light of the Jedi, yeah. Yeah, uh, written by Kevin Scott. But there's there's a lot coming out on the young adult, middle grade novels, young reader, and comics. And Daniel Jose Alder, who's who writes the young uh, or the 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 um, High Republic Adventures, is having a, a a really heck of a series because he's also going to be writing or also has written the middle grade novel Race to Crash Point Tower. Um, yep. which comes out the same day as the rising storm uh, on June 29th. And then he's also writing a Marvel comics miniseries called the trail of shadows in the high Republic, which sounds super interesting. I think we talked a bit about it several weeks ago when it was announced, but it's, it's kind of like a, a noir tale in the high Republic with a, with a, a Jedi and a private detective basically. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I love everything I've read by Daniel Jose Alder so far, and I, I can't wait to see these next installments. And yeah, I mean, right up and down the lot, like from the young reader, middle reader, you know, adult reader, everything has been really entertaining, really exciting new Star Wars um, in, a, in a great time in the in the galaxy. I, and I've really enjoyed it all. Yeah, I'm super impressed. Like the middle grade novel, we read The Test of Courage, Courage by Justina Ireland, which was super good. Yeah, so good. But I was astonishing, so with astonishing work. Yes, it is clear that this is written for a younger audience, meaning that it's easier to read, right? There's less depth to some of it, but it all does feel like it's part of this world. Like, it makes sense to me that that story is taking place in the same universe where the Light of the Jedi stuff is happening, right? It just feels like it just works. Even though it's written at different levels, it all does really feel like one large galaxy. Does indeed. Does yeah. indeed. Um can't wait to go down that that path further um, all the way to the end. I, I you know, it's going to be exciting. I hope it connects to the Acolyte eventually. Um, that series where the live action series we're eventually going to get. That would be really That's great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Great work. Can't wait to see more of it. Um, I'm going to put a bow on it there. Thank you, everyone, for listening to us again this week. Uh, get after us at uh, Discord uh, or Instagram or Twitter where we are active. We're there sending stuff out into the galaxy. Um, and, you know, we appreciate y'all and want to talk to y'all. So uh, let's do it. And have a fantastic week. We'll talk to you very soon next week. And may the force be with you. Always. This is Grex Kondak signing off. For the latest breaking news, follow at Core World News on Twitter. 
and Instagram. Thank you, and good night. Remember, the Force will be with you, always. Yeah.